Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm your host, as always, Stan McCune, realtor right here in the Greenville area, and you can find all of my contact information in the show notes if you need to reach out to me for any of your real estate needs. And please, as always, if you like the show, if you love the show, please subscribe to it in whatever podcast app you're using, Audio Boom, uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I'd appreciate if you guys could leave a five-star rating, particularly if you do like the show. Um, and if you could scroll down and leave a review, that'd be great as well. It's on YouTube now. And this will be a great episode to watch on YouTube because I'm gonna I have a guest with me today, my second guest on the show. Um, but this would be a great one to look on YouTube. Uh, just look up my name, Stan McCune. Uh, if you look up Selling Greenville, you might have a hard time because someone else stole that channel from me um, years ago, interestingly. Um, but uh, but look up Stan McCune. You'll find me that way, and you'll find the episode uh, in there. I, I've got a playlist in my personal channel that you can find. Um, and please uh, subscribe to that channel. Please like the show, leave a comment, all of those good things on there. Today, I am going to be interviewing uh, or really just having a conversation with, as I've already alluded to, a good friend of mine for uh, for several years now, Al Wu, um, who is a good friend of mine. Uh, I, we, we met through real estate investing uh, years and years ago, um, a former client of mine and one of the most interesting people that I know. And I'm not just uh, I'm not just saying that, like, I think that's truly uh the case. Hal has served in the military. He's run for political office. Um, he is a savvy real estate investor and one of the most under the radar interesting people that that you could meet. There's a gazillion real estate investors that I could talk about on this show and, and that I could talk to on the show. But one thing that is completely different about Hal than really any of the others that I've uh, that I've talked with over the years is that he's not a slave to his investments. He's not a slave to the real estate that he owns. Um, you look at the other investors that are out there and they're typically all running around trying to find this deal or that deal, trying to manage multiple projects, panicking, panicking about where the market is going, all of these things. Hal always just has a has a cool look on his face, um, just hanging out in, in, uh, in coffee shops, playing board games with friends, um, and you know, spending time overseas months at a time, uh, maybe breaking a leg, uh, you know, doing doing this or that. Well, he'll have to tell you that story uh, maybe another time. But um, but in any event, Hal just does it differently, and and he reminds me um, of the the closest thing that I have seen in in the real world to the spirit of Tim Ferriss's book, The Four Hour Work Week which I'm sure many of you, myself included, many of you have been heavily influenced by that book, but not many people actually know how to live out that lifestyle. How um, has has really demonstrated the spirit of that book over the years. And that's been something that's, that I've always looked up to and, and that I've always uh, been intrigued by and interested in. Um, and so for that reason, and for many others, I'm really excited to have Hal on the show. So Al, welcome to Selling Greenville. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you so much, Stan. Uh, I yeah. will say that I appreciate that introduction. I I consider myself to be somewhat interesting, but um, I, I did not realize that I was that impactful. And I appreciate <laughs> that. I will say that our friendship is uh, has been very, very helpful for me 
in terms of organizing and realizing my potential over the past eight years that I've been in the upstate. So thank you for that as well. And thank you for being a friend. And thank you for inviting me to all your board game events <laughs> at your lovely house, which I think you just sold, right? Like I, a I, years I did. Ago. Yeah, I, I moved. <laughs> I moved last year and I, I feel like we're still moving, uh, but the board game nights will come back. It's just a matter of of when and where. I'm I'm in another basement home, but the the, <laughs> the basement layout is a bit different. It's not. Uh, I, we need to reconfigure it. So we've got a contractor that we're we're working with with that on. Uh, but the time will come. But yes, for those of you that don't know me well on the show, I am a big board gamer, just like how I wasn't just making fun of how we're both uh, pretty nerdy when it comes to the board games. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, um, but let's just jump right in. Um, as far as how, as far as you know, again, the the thing that I met you with, and and the thing that kind of kickstarted our friendship was real estate investing. Um, but I'm not even exactly sure that we've ever talked about how you started in it. So I'm just interested for myself, but also I think the listeners would would like to know as a starting point. How did you first get into real estate investing? Yes. Um, I think I need to talk a little bit about my life. And uh, it'll be short, but it'll be succinct. So I was born in China in 1985 uh, under the communists. My dad was a pro-democracy protester. 1989 got blacklisted by the communists for participating in the pro-democracy protest, which most of you can Google and find out what happened in 1989 in China. Um, my dad escaped in 1996, and I escaped with my mom in 1997. I lived in Nashville, Tennessee for six years, went through middle school, high school. Um, one of the most tumultuous times of my life, trying to learn English as well as trying to go through middle school and high school. Yeah, I can't Which, imagine. as That's most insane. of you people know, middle school and high school are probably some of the roughest years of your life. Um, graduated from high school uh, with a really good uh, with a really good record learned English, as uh, can be seen, uh, and went to college at UNC Chapel Hill, where I majored in biochemistry and got my degree after four years in biochemistry and did two years of research in curcumin. Long story short, curcumin is the ingredient of spices, Indian spices, that's good for your joints because it acts on the COX-2 inhibitor. Still a huge fan of biochemistry, learn a lot of sciences, but I will stop there. In 2009, when I was working as a non-citizen in United States university system, well, the economic crash happened, right? And uh, that was uh, the 2008-2009 Great Recession was driven by the real estate market, and I was not a citizen at the time. So in order to gain citizenship, I joined the U.S. Army to earn citizenship. Not a lot of people probably know that you can join the U.S. military. As a non-citizen, if you're here legally, if you have a language skill that's a crucial, and if you have more than a grad, uh, more than a bachelor's degree, so I joined the U.S. military, deployed to I um, stationed out of Fort Hood, Colleen, Texas, with the First Cavalry Division, Second Brigade Blackjack, go Blackjack, uh, deployed to Iraq in 2011, came back in 2012 and got my citizenship. So there's a story there where I was was deployed in Iraq as a Chinese citizen in the U.S. Army. It's an incredible story. That that's <laughs> those are all some of the things that that you know make you in my mind one of the most interesting people I know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I was doing route clearance too, so outside the wire, talking to Iraqi civilians through translators, of course. But that's again another story for another day. <laughs> 2013 uh, was deployed to Afghanistan, where I was stationed out of Bagram Air Force Base. 
um, station out of the first A station, the battalion A station, drove a tiny little bungo truck, which definition of truck overseas versus truck in America, very different. Drove a little bungo truck to take the patients and supplies back and forth between within the Bagram Air Force Base, which is a huge city, basically. Um, came back in 2014, left the military in 2014 after four years of active duty service, was still inactive. So I figured that I was going to try to be stationary for the four years after that. Came to the upstate because my dad, by that time, had became a professor at Sherman College in Bowling Springs. Um, didn't think too much of the upstate when I first came to the upstate about eight years ago <laughs> and uh, spent about a year kind of just dawdling around trying to figure out something. Well, in 2015, my dad actually found a better position and a job down in Auburn University in Auburn, Alabama. So he moved down there with my mom and I was kind of stuck, right? I was in a position where I've lived in the American South my entire life, Nashville, Tennessee, Colleen, Texas, Boeing Springs, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And now my dad went down to Auburn, Alabama, and I wasn't about to complete my tour of the entire American South by no, moving to don't Auburn, go down Alabama. To, don't go down to Auburn. My my <laughs> wife is from that area, and she's a big War Eagle uh, person. And no, don't don't do it. Uh, I, no, I don't recommend it. I I decided that, uh, and also I kind of had a midlife crisis when I turned thirty in two thousand fifteen. And uh, I decided that a lot of things in my life, and I'll be authentic and vulnerable and honest a little bit. Uh, I was single. I just got out of the military. I was slightly directionless. I wanted to be a doctor at one point, but going back to school was uh, difficult. I I had a post 9-11 GI Bill, and I'm potentially still going back to school. But around 2015, what I did realize when I was turning 30 was that I really wanted to not be beholden to anybody else's timeline except my own. I wanted my own timeline. If I was going back to school, it wasn't going to be stressed the hell out trying to get a job after I graduate. If I was going to start a business for myself, I wasn't going to do anything. And that's exactly where real estate comes in. And I also have to go back a little bit. I credit my parents, of course, but my upbringing and the U.S. military for training me to become a minimalist and a good finance uh, person. Believe it or not, the U.S. Army pays decently well. Like they pay me a stipend between $24,000 to $30,000 as an E-4, so an enlisted soldier. But I was able to eat out of the defects. Uh, they, they cover healthcare, they cover food, they cover transportation, all the things are covered while you're in the army. So basically all the money they pay you, and I was deployed twice, technically you can just save. And between 2010 and 2014, uh, credit to the fact that I wasn't going to buy a whole bunch of furnitures just so that I have to move those furnitures literally within a year. I was deployed six months after my basic training. So um, again, the U.S. military life is a life of constant deployment and constantly moving around. So there was really no point for me to buy a lot of stuff. So I lived a very minimalistic lifestyle, took all the cash, invested in stocks, which again, hindsight is twenty twenty. Like I could say how smart I was investing in all these great stocks between 2010 and 2014. But truth be told, 2010 to 2014 was a great time in the U.S. stock market. You could look like a wonder boy just throwing random money at random companies. By, by the way, I, I need to, to offer the disclaimer that nothing that either of us say on here composes or comprises 
investment advice on on yes. any level. What absolutely was there one particular stock that that caveat being said, I am interested. <laughs> was there one particular stock that that performed really well uh, during that period? Uh, actually, every single one of them did really really well, and and I'll tell you why I pick some of the stocks that I did. But which, by the way, I'm completely out of the stock market right now. That's not something that I do. Well, at the time, I was a U.S. soldier with training, but you know you can train as much as you want, but you get plenty of free time. I played video games, I played board games, I did all these things, and I consumed a lot of media. So the companies I invested in, believe it or not, was EA, was Activision Blizzard, was Amazon. I had an Apple phone at the time. Never again. I have Android since then, but I invested in Apple, invested in Google. Uh, basically, like just all the you know the blue chips, right? Like you would not think like these kind of blue chip major companies, but hey, like if I was a consumer at the time between 2010 and 2014, I probably bought a little bit of whatever company that I'm consuming from their stock. Yeah, that makes and, sense. Uh, <laughs> and if you believe in the company, be, why not? Yeah, exactly. Right. If you are their customer, why don't you believe in what they do? Um. So from 2014 to 2015, I still actually held on to a lot of the stock. But I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with what happened in 2015 and 16, but there's always been tons of naysayers about, oh, the stock has got to come down. We're due for another uh, recession, right? There's a recession of 2000, recession of 2008. 2015, 2016 was around the time when people were getting real jumpy. They're like, oh, yep. this is crazy. And so that, that was I, when my boss at the time started buying up a bunch of gold and silver, like actu <laughs> actual gold and silver that he had in a safe in his office. So, oh, wow, go. that's that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that. I, I, I don't believe in gold. And again, by that point, I have actually already read a little bit of Warren Buffett. And I, I love listening to Warren Buffett's interviews and things like that. Right. Warren Buffett is, I mean, one of the most famous interview he ever did was you give me a house of gold or the equivalent of what that goat could buy in terms of farm, I will buy the farm every single day because gold is just gold. It's just sitting there doing nothing, increasing in value because people think it's increasing in value. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you buy farmland, it's always producing, it's always doing something and it's yep. always generating uh, income. And so long story short, in 2015, I was getting kind of a little bit scared, so I started divesting from the realist, from my stock portfolio. And believe it or not, by the time I got out of the military, I, my stock portfolio was already over $100,000. In 2015, it got to about $150,000. So as I was taking that money out, I was looking at what would make sense for me to get passive income with only $150,000, not so that I can live a good life, but so that I can live a minimalistic lifestyle and never have to be beholden to anybody else, be beholden to anybody else's timeline except my own. And so that's when I kind of strike in uh, when I was looking around Boiling Springs, Spartanburg was kind of not really investable around that time, which hindsight is also 2020. But I looked at Greenville and Greenville was just booming. And funny enough, uh, I was actually first looking at Greenville, trying to buy some commercial real estate downtown. And <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, not going to name names or anything like that. In 2015, there was an office downtown that was selling for $100,000. I was like, okay, this is something that I can do. I looked at it. It was rented for $1,000 and it has $500 monthly 
uh, HOA or, or whatever the equivalent of commercial is mm-hmm. in terms of repair. I was like, this is this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. Um, so I looked around more and I realized that there were a lot of these duplexes and triplexes out in the western part of Greenville area. And this, of course, is back in 2015, where the duplex is selling for anywhere between uh, uh, $40,000 to $50,000. The triplexes are selling for slightly more like seventy five to 100000 The glory days, and huh? The glory days, the good days, <laughs> which, believe it or not, at the time when I was looking to purchase real estate, I have I was starting to make friends, and when I tell them that hey, like I'm buying real estate in Greenville, they're like, "Why are you buying Greenville? We never seen the price as high it is ever in Greenville, and it's got to go down, right? Like there's no way that Greenville price back in 2015, which apparently was like 10x from just 20 years ago or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever the number was, people are looking at these prices in Greenville. They're like, "What in the world is happening?" Yeah, like people were telling me about the time when they were paying a hundred dollar rent, like like people who are alive, who are like who are alive, who was telling me that they were paying hundred dollar rent in uh, Greenville, and so they were like, "There's no way, there's no way that you're buying these property that's rented for four hundred dollars, and you're expecting them to go up in rent to like <laughs> six hundred and eight hundred and things like that." Like, no way, right? How can that? How can that be? Um, I'm glad that I didn't listen to any yeah. of those theories. <laughs> but you you need to compare your net worth to those people now. Uh, again, not again, not to name names. <laughs> no, anyways, no, no names will be named. No, no names will be named. Uh, long story short, I um I took my money together and I was able to buy one duplex in the San Sushi area in Greenville, and then a triplex down in the Judson Mill, Dunning Mill area at the time. And both of them had done fairly well for me. Um, and they're, they're, they're good. But at the time, they were rented out for between 400 to $500, which I put some ex- sweat equity into repairing some of the stuff, repairing, um, renovating it, and doing things like that. And they were both able to increase up to between 600 to 700 within a year or two. Um, and so once again, it's just basically it gross. When I had those five units, I was able to bring in basically $4,000 uh, between three and $4,000 gross, which nets me about $2,000 a month, which honestly, like I'm a minimalist. I, a single minimalist living in South Carolina, $2,000 a month is enough to just cover everything. And actually, believe it or not, even now, my monthly expenditure is probably around $1,000 or so. So even back then, I was still saving uh, month over month. So since then, uh, I have basically diversified into it. And that kind of comes into where I met you. So back in 2017, I was generating cash, generating income, and enough income had been generated that I was like, okay, time to look beyond just these five units and buy more units. And uh, White Horse Roads, uh, Emerald Commons. Are you okay with me talking about Emerald Commons? Yeah, that's bit? fine. Yeah. So 2017. For, 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 was the, when for those I that don't know, this is a this is a community in the west side of Greenville, Berea area that um, has about a hundred uh, condos in it. And I used to own some units in there i have sold out of that community and uh and how also you you still own in that community yes so i sold four of the six but i still own two of them okay and um and funny enough 
So around that time, I was looking around. I was trying to make the numbers work, right? So for me, believe it or not, cash flow has been... I mean, I definitely enjoyed the fact that there was a lot of equity upside to the investments that I made. But for me, honestly, year over year, month over month cash flow is kind of the bread and butter of a lot of these things. So I was looking at the cash flow and, you know, looking at Emerald Commons back in 2015, it was nothing to look at. It was located in a pretty rough area of the neighborhood. Um, I, and I can talk about it now because now actually, so I, I, I actually stayed out of there for a considerable period of time. It is considerably better now because, uh, and I hope this is not re too revelatory, but yeah, there you you can hear gunshots in the neighborhood. There were incidences that people can find out if they care to know about all those things. But back in 2015, I was looking at the neighborhood, but I recognized that there was so much more that could be done. Um, there's a lot of things that could be done. There's a lot of ways that we could renovate and kind of help the neighborhood become a better place. And believe it or not, and I don't know how many of your um, listeners are familiar with the Greenville area, but at the time in 2017, I was also working with a nonprofit in the area called Upstate Warrior Solutions. So I'm a veteran. I'm very passionate about veteran issues. I'm also a board member of Mental Health America of Greenville County. So long story short, uh, I care about mental health issues. I care about veterans. And one of the biggest challenges to veterans is housing. And so when I decided to look into the area, my original idea was something akin to almost like a veteran's village where there's affordable housing for other people, right? Basically pay what you can and come in. And when you have enough of a number of housings that are paying uh, normal rent, then I don't need to make a complete profit because again, I'm I'm a single man who's trying to just live a minimal lifestyle, right? And so I actually, believe it or not, two out of the six units that I purchased out of Emerald Commons in 2017 have was since then used to um, uh, take care of veterans. Again, they they still pay. They pay whatever out of pocket that they are they can afford. But I've definitely taken care of veterans for a month, two months, three months at a time when they're unable to pay. So the reason why, and actually that kind of, kind of comes down to the reason why I still have two out of the six units in Emerald Commons. The four that I sold was the one that was rented out for normal rent for between 2017 and 2022. When I, when again, thank you so much for helping me sell that as a package. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's, um, and now the other two were used to take care of veterans at the time, and they still are used to take care of veterans right now. And by, by the way, I, I, I just want to interject for a second, um, because I think that this is a, an important point. I didn't intend to, to discuss this, but um, one thing that I think is, is noteworthy here, you know, you hear in, a lot of people right now give capitalism a, a bad rap, right? Because it's not, um, it, it, it's, only focused on wealth generation. And I don't know too many people that are more capitalistic than you, Hal. <laughs> but but at the same time, you understand the the compassion and charity side of it. And there's a giving back aspect of it. And I think that this is where, you know, this is the part of capitalism that a lot of people don't see. And and 
probably it's because a lot of, there need to be a lot more people like you in the market that are that are like, you know what, I'm I'm getting a surplus. I need to to give back, not just to help my brand, like so many of these, you know, mega corporations contribute to charity just for the sake of their brand. But this is actually something that you're passionate about helping homeless vets and and people that that are are struggling to uh, just afford housing. And um, yeah, and, and I just think that's noteworthy. Yeah, thank you. And so again, just slow and steady, just buying, purchasing properties, renting them out, generating a decent return. Again, uh, so far the return, despite the fact that I have these, um, even with the charity and even with everything, the the rental market in Greenville, as you probably know, are just going up and up and up. And between 2015 and um, 2022, and I get, I still own real estate, right? I still own rental properties right now. But just between that, um, the uh, the prices of these properties that I was able to purchase and then sell. So by the way, I've already sold my duplex and triplex. Um, I probably sold them a little bit early uh, because they have since gained a lot more equity. But here's the here's the you honest. Can never to time God the truth. market. You can never time the market. And plus, when I sold those properties, I didn't need to consume the money because, again, I'm a minimalist. And so those money were put right back into the market. So since then, I have invested in more properties, just not in the hot market that's Greenville right now. But I, you know, I'm very bullish. And I think this is maybe something that people are people need to be more aware of is that you mentioned earlier capitalism, right? I think capitalism is compassionate. And compassion also comes from an optimistic side of things. I think a lot of people are, fear, especially now in America, are very fear-mongering about, oh, this is the direction that the world is going or this is the direction that America is going. Can I just be perfectly honest? I would not be an American if I did not realize how shitty the other parts of the world are, right? So my very first beginning in America, and I can tell you a little bit more about some of the startup investing I've done. I'm also an angel investor, but that's another part. Yeah, well, that would be another topic for another day. <laughs> for another well, day. We'll have to do a spinoff podcast <laughs> on that. But I am bullish on America, period. I, I have done everything I can in my power to be an American, to live in America, and to believe in the American economic success and to believe in the American economic story. And Greenville area has proven me right and right and right again. And so I think the compassionate side of me, right, why am I willing to give, uh, to give all these support to people? Well, it comes from a place of abundance, right? I Not only am I abundant right now, but I have this optimism of the abundance of the generation that's going to come, that's yet to come. And I am not in need of anything that I'm lacking. And so, of course, of course, I will be supporting more people. Of course, I will be giving back to the community. Of course, I will be giving more because there, there is no scarcity. We're doing fine. Like I, I, I cannot overemphasize the fact that people are worried about, oh, what the banks are doing right now, what about the economy and things like that. You know what? We've gone through these things. We have gone through these rigmaroles multiple times before and we came out better, uh, especially the fact that every time that we had a dot-com bubble in 2000, we had the economic recession in 2008, guess what? The people who were optimistic 
the people who are capitalists who believe that it will be better in the future actually double down. They they just reinvested more. They kept putting their resources more into this economy that we have here in the United States. Well, and I'm and, on record uh, on this podcast that, you know, towards the second half of last year that I said that as the the market was slowing down that I was going to be a buyer. And, I, and I'm yes. on record saying that and I have stayed true to my word. I made more acquisitions <laughs> the past six months than I've made in several years. And they've all turned out really, really well because you know, you again, before uh, we started recording, you said, you know, about there being some blood in the water that you detected. And, and that's the thing is that pe people hear all these headlines and the headlines are misleading. You know, they'll make it sound like, oh, we're, we're back in 2008. Um, and, you know, again, I'm not encouraging people to go crazy and spend all their money on, on real estate as if there's nothing that could potentially me, me and you are both extremely conservative in terms of, of what we purchase. Um, but when it comes to the market, sometimes the best times to pounce in my ex experience are the times when there is the most uncertainty because other people are going to be holding back and there's less competition. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. And um and so yeah I'm I'm actually and I before we started I talked a little bit about how to I am I've been very very conservative so that's an understatement I've been buying property selling property using that money to buy more property and so on and so forth and kind of just like taking one money and buying another uh, but now I do need to recognize the uh, the burden uh, that one that there's tax implications that I've been fortunately able to kind of offset. But more than that, I need to start working on leveraging more, right? Um, you know, debt, <laughs> I, I hate to say that I disagree with uh, Dave Ramsey 100%, but I really, I really wish more people would understand that there are nuances in the uh, in terms of debt in terms of anything that has to do with our economic system, right? Um, I hope nobody just 100% believe that debt is bad or debt is good or that Dave Ramsey is always right or he's always wrong. I wish that people understand some of the nuances. And I will say that debt in certain circumstances are probably terrible. But right now, oof, I'm trying to get as much debt uh, within reason. There's different kinds of debt. You know, that's, yes. that's, that's where some schools of thought that are anti-debt they don't recognize that not all debt is equal it's just it's, yes. it's not the same thing to take out a loan on a mattress as yes. it is to take out a loan on a house it's just not the same thing yeah and honestly to be perfectly honest the biggest debt holders that we have in the world is obviously the u.s federal reserve right <laughs> and uh, and not only is the Imagine u.s that. federal reserve uh taking out uh well they're they're printing money to they're printing debt, but having said that, they are um, the debts that they are holding are our banks, right? So there's no institution that have more debt in this world than all the banks that we have here, and so uh, again, just you know, you utilize the access to those to those um, to those resources that you have, which I'm I'm actively searching right now. So, so. one of the things that um, that intrigues me and that I think will intrigue my listeners the most is you talking about again in this in the vein of the four hour work week mm -hmm. um, obviously a big part of that is keeping 
those personal expenses down to, you know, it sounds like around a thousand a month is what you have managed to do, which is very, very minimal. So yeah. what, um, it, from your perspective, what kind of sacrifices have you had to make? I mean, do you, it does it, I, I know that you have that minimalistic perspective. So sacrifice might not be the, the right word, but yeah, what, yeah. For, to the average person, like what would what would you say are here are here are the things that the average American needs to do in order to reduce their monthly expenses without you know resorting on uh, eating poorly and you know having cars that don't work you know things like that. Yeah, I think again, just uh, I I think that's one of the things is in America. So to be perfectly honest, I also have the fact that I own my house outright, right? So I have properties that I own, so I'm living out of it rent-free. Uh, there are certainly taxes that need to be paid. But again, the thing about these property taxes is that you can use these property taxes to offset your federal taxes. So if uh, if, if you don't, by the way, if you don't have an LLC, it, and if you don't have an LLC, go out Get an LLC right now. Talk to your now. accountant like and figure that out. Because that, yeah, figure that, that out that needs right to be now. Done. <laughs> that needs to be done a hundred percent. Because uh, if you're not expensing everything, like business lunch, business dinner, as much as you can. Again, like, so I don't think. So I will be perfectly honest. I'm not living. I, I am living a minimal lifestyle, but I'm living a very comfortable lifestyle. Um, I desire traveling, but traveling is going to other countries, meeting with friends who also have resources, who want to invest. And we basically go out to coffee and why we're talking business. We're talking about investment opportunities in Europe. We're talking about all these investments, going to conferences, going to events. Uh, guess what? Business expense, business travel. Uh, it, it, again, I cannot overemphasize the fact that you need to do that. Having said that, I certainly still have personal expenses, right? But those personal expenses are spent on you know, uh, just regular everyday things like groceries, um, which you shouldn't be spending too much money on groceries. Also, by the way, uh, I'm a scientist by training, uh, biochemist by training. Um, I am very, very skeptical of Whole Foods. Again, great marketing, right? Like that, you you, you can you can eat really well whether you go shop at Whole Foods or you go shop at Publix. I I hesitate to overemphasize this fact but just because you're spending three thousand dollars a month on groceries and i only spent three hundred dollars on grocery doesn't mean that i'm actually not getting the nutrients that i need to thrive and survive but that's obviously another another conversation we're, we're talking about we're covering a lot of things on here guys whole foods is bad they're owned by amazon no i'm just kidding uh <laughs> Um, but again, just, uh, no, I, th I think, I think that's a, that's a great consideration. Um, you know, obviously some people yeah. have certain health needs that, that perhaps sure. it's hard for them to, sure. to fulfill out of Publix or an Aldi or, or, uh, you know, Lidl yeah. or food line. Um, yeah. but, uh, but, but certainly groceries are a big part of it. Yes. And having said that again, uh, the big, the big budget items, right. The cars, the rent, the, um, the, the the taxes the mortgages all those things some of the some of the expenses I can defray by having an LLC uh, some of the expenses I can defray by basically just uh, doing 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 my purchases smarter and 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 more 
more reasonable. Um, and also, like, I just don't like to buy. I don't like to buy clothes. Um, you can. I I hate to say it like this. So, uh, I have a very limited wardrobe and limited color palette. I I probably am. I've been wearing my white shirts for a long time. I've been wearing my black overcoat for it's. I I think I look good, but uh, I. I think you look great. Yeah, you 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 can spend probably like seventy dollars a year. Updating your wardrobe and have a really nice looking wardrobe for that year. Uh, I I don't know why. Again, I've I've seen people consume in terms of their wardrobe options that I'm just always just like, wow. Like if Americans would just cut out that expense, how much money could they <laughs> save? But anyways, that's another story for uh, for another day. Uh, no, I I, th I think those I think those are all um, helpful thoughts. You know, it, you know. When I see you, you don't strike me as like I don't think anyone would see you and be like, okay, that's someone that's living a, an extremely minimal lifestyle. Like you do appear to be living the way you want to. Like anytime want to go get coffee or lunch, like you're not just like, oh, I can't afford that. Like I've never yeah. once have I ever heard you say anything like that. Um, and so I, I just want people to hear that that you know this is. It is possible for some people. Sacrifices would have to be made. You, you, you know, they're not necessarily sacrifices to you because you've been living this way. Maybe even before you were in the military, it might be something that you were doing for a while. But at least since the military, um, and so it just comes a little bit natural. But I wanted to ask you with regard to, um, with regard to the the real estate investing, because I don't want to get too off off sure. track here. Um, a lot of real estate investors tend to be extremely goal oriented. You know, you hear people say, I want to, I want to flip X number of houses per year, or, or a very common one I hear is I want to have this many rental properties. I heard someone said that they wanted to add one rental property per year, you know, for the next however many years. Um, mm -hmm. As far as your perspective, and maybe this has changed, um, but tell me what has been and what is your perspective on that do you set goals for real estate and try to hit them or do you just kind of react more to opportunities as they as they arise so this is where, where again i have a specific investment philosophy so real estate investing is really only one part of my investment but i will sure. focus on that of course um because of how aggressive my other investments are real estate is probably the most conservative portfolio of my investment period and I'll I'll kind of give you an example, right? I purchased fifty thousand dollar duplexes and seventy five thousand dollar triplexes, and they were already generating four thousand dollars in between them, not calculating for the future growth of that rental, uh, in terms of the cash generation. So you just, just to be clear, if, if you're if you're an out of state listener right now and you're just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> Greenville, what are these opportunities? It is very hard to find those opportunities in twenty twenty three. I just want to make that very clear. Yeah, not in Greenville County, but there are still those opportunities out there. Yes. And I will give an example of last year, uh, I actually purchased an additional property in Gaffney, South Carolina. And so I, I, I will just say this. When I look at opportunities, right, I actually don't necessarily look at whether they're big, small. Like, for example, the past three real estate that I have purchased are about $25,000 a piece. Now, like anybody, I, I hate to say that anybody can do that, but like if you worked in any industry for like a decade, you can probably save that amount of money. Um, 
$25,000 is not a lot. The rent, not too much. The rent started about $450. Uh, they're slowly creeping up about $25 um, every year, every like whenever renewal happens and things like that. But the key is to find the deal right. And I hate to say that I have that I have that privilege or I have that ability to just wait, right? I I don't care if you have a million dollar property that's generating $200,000 or something like that. If it doesn't, maybe that is a good deal, but if it doesn't fit my number, then I don't care. I don't, what, I don't. What, I, what would I be that number? So the rough number of that, and I showed you this obviously before, and I'm going to use my calculator, trusty calculator for, for a little minute is that I I take the monthly gross rent because I, I always believe that gross is a good number to work. It's an easy number to get from anybody. Just tell me how much gross. Mm -hmm. And I always assume that 50% of that has to go towards some sort of uh, open rent or some sort of anything like that. But anyways, so let's say that it's generating $600 per month. Divided that by 0 0.02. That's $30,000. So I'm not spending more than $30,000 to purchase a property that gross monthly $600 per month. So so for uh, those listening, some of you picked up on this right away. Some of you maybe not. But how is following what's commonly known as the 2% rule? Yes. Essentially, essentially that the purchase price is 2% of, yes. the, of the gross rents. And that that's that's an aggressive rule to to hit but would you say that you just ignore everything unless it unless it hits that rule for you uh i don't necessarily ignore everything because there is that kind of potential right for example in a market like greenville i have not seen the two percent rule ever print out like if i'm buying in pickens county spartanburg county anderson county and gaffney county which are all the counties along i-85 by the way i'm also extremely bullish on charlanta that's a term that somebody else has court has coined I've not heard that in a while, but yes, Charlanta. <laughs> Between Charlotte and Atlanta, anywhere along that I-85 corridor, I just think that people are moving there. Industries are coming here. There's already infrastructure built. People are just, they're just coming. Like you, you can't stop it. They're just going to come. Yep. And so anywhere between that, obviously Greenville right now is a premium, which some, I, I, I think about Greenville as still investable. But right now, I'm looking more towards like Spartanburg. I think Spartanburg is interesting, much, much more interesting now than ever before. Uh, Pickens County, Anderson, and obviously Gaffney, I, I also think. But long story short. And you're talking about counties more so than, than cities, right? You're not saying Spartanburg yeah. City specifically, more, more Spartanburg County. More Spartanburg County, right? Um, anywhere within that, within the I-85 corridor. Sure. Um, and so long story short, I, I do that 2% rule outside of Greenville. I have purchased properties in Greenville that doesn't quite hit that. But having said that, I almost will tell you that I, I, I only buy it if I know that it's in an area that the rent will almost match the 2% within a year or two after I purchase it. Right. There's um there is kind of a premium that people do have to pay, unfortunately, now to live in Greenville. Sure. And um and so again, even if it's not the two percent rule, I'm I aim to make it to the two percent before okay. anything else. So sometimes there's a little bit of a projection involved 
to to get sometimes, there. Sometimes, sometimes, if if the deal, if the location is attractive enough, like for example, Greenville. Got it. So, um, so I teased earlier that you live a four hour work week lifestyle, um, and you know, of course, as as has already come out in this conversation. Um, a lot of that has to do with you're able to live minimally. You've you've made smart real estate investments and as well as other investments. But the, but the reality of like what Tim Ferriss writes in the four hour work week, um, <laughs> like nobody actually does that. Right. Like even even Tim Ferriss, like he's working way more than four hours. Like that dude is working a ton. <laughs> like he's produced television. He has his own podcast that he puts a ton of work into. I mean, his podcast is a long-form podcast. Sometimes his podcast goes for more than, well, not more than four hours, but sometimes it approaches four hours. So uh, n- nobody can say that Tim Tim Ferriss actually, uh, you know, follows his own book. But it's more uh, of a of a mindset at the end of a day, right? Um, yeah. A mindset that um, you're 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 free to work at your own pace on your own projects, within your own environment, and able to potentially break away from any of that, any of that work for extended periods of time, if and whenever you want to. Like, that's the, that's really what I think that book was about at the end of the day. So with that in mind, what, what does a typical week look like for you? Just, just in general? Well, so I actually, my, uh, I, I wish I could share my Google Calendar with you. So my Google Calendar is always very packed. And, and to your point, right, I am my own administrative assistant. Maybe in the future, if I actually make it to a point where my LLC is generating enough revenue, I can hire uh, Ammon. But right now, uh, my Google Calendars are always filled. I'm always at meetings. I'm always networking. And I think there is something to be said about um, doing a review process. And I will tell you, I have a weekly review process, monthly, and a yearly review process of, hey, like, here's the meetings that I did in this day. Was these productive meetings? I mean, and I'm I'm not just saying productive as, oh, did they generate me money, right? Because I do have to say that's kind of interesting right now. I think if you're chasing money, unfortunately, you're just chasing money and nothing else. But I think if you're chasing friendship or if you're chasing growth, like, and I don't just mean growth as an investment, but like chasing growth as, are you spending time reading? Are you spending time making yourself a better person in some sort of way, right? Are you learning new things? Uh, are you learning a new language? I, I, I will tell you, I will confess perfectly well that right now my time is my own, even though I fill it with time because I just have so much interest. I'm learning German, French. I'm hoping to travel. I'm hoping to travel and learning German French. But more importantly than that, those language skills probably could potentially result in me making some very interesting business connections down the line, right? I'm not thinking about making business connections when I do those things. But there are but I I do think having a growth mindset and having a not having an abundant growth mindset is a very very important quality that I think a lot of people either unwilling or unable to get to anywhere. Um, I I will just give you an example, right? A lot of the investment that I do right now, whether it's through real estate, like for example, even you, right? We gotten to know each other because we invested together, but we gotten to a more friendship oriented place because of the board game groups that we kind of did with each other. You obviously know a lot of board gamers. I know a lot as well. 
And when you invited me into your home to play board game with you, that's a very important act of social networking and kind of social net worth. I think a lot of people are uh, are potentially missing out. Uh, there's a lot of CDC data and a lot of data that shows that uh, Americans are becoming more and more lonely. They're becoming unable. They, they're unable to say how many good friends they have. Hmm. And I will say that um, because of the time that I was able to procure back, take back for myself, I was able to join, you know, board game groups, uh, philosophy discussion groups. Uh, I'm able to do dance groups, go on hiking groups, join a lot of charity, doing a lot of um, phenomenal things that really I want to do and I, I, I want to learn and I want to do. But believe it or not, going into those worlds, having an authentic, open mindset allows me to kind of connect with people in an authentic, connected way that actually brought plenty of business opportunities or business investment opportunities into my life in addition to what I was pursuing. Well, I was going to so ask I, you too, are you selective with who you network or or, or like what, you know, how do you, how do you approach that? I think the most important thing that I mentioned earlier is just open, authentic, and being able to be vulnerable with each other, right? Share not just a good time, but also like being able, like if I'm friends with you, if I hang out with you for six months or so, and we haven't shared a deep conversation about, you know, what are your struggles in life? What do you fear in life? What are some of the joys of your life that you have been able to have? Like, for example, with you, Stan, I love seeing you with your family when when you invited me to your church uh, last year, I think it was a Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas uh, event. Christmas, yeah. I got to see, yeah, I got to see your wife. I got to see your kids. I got to see their um, faces lit up when they're around you. Like those are the human interactions, the very humanistic interactions that I crave. Um, so I wouldn't say that I'm selective in the front end because I want to meet as many people as possible, know as many people as possible. But again, that's where my daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly review kind of comes into play, which is that, hey, like, I will give anybody the time of the day, I will have connection with them. But if I'm nourishing something, and it's not being reciprocated, then you know, it's not that I'm gonna become not friends with you. It's just that that connection is superficial and weak, and it will just kind of naturally fall by the wayside. So do you have like a rating, I... a rating system for like, di for different contexts? <clears throat> I, I, I don't necessarily have a rating system. Uh, I, I hate I hate swipe, rating things. Swipe right or swipe left? <laughs> uh, no, I, I think for me, it's it's more of an intuitive, um, heartfelt system, right? Um, I hate to use Mary Kundo as an example, but I really do want to utilize her, right? Because she lives, uh, she she does decluttering, decluttering and minimalist lifestyle, right? And she doesn't kind of say, oh, this is valuable, so we keep this piece of furniture. That's not valuable. But she like just says, hey, bring that thing to your heart and think, does this bring me joy, right? Is this fulfilling to me somehow? Is this bring a certain sense of satisfaction in my life? And I and and believe it or not, I will say that just because you're only bringing my, me 1% satisfaction doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to cut you out from my life. All that just means, which I hate to say like this, because it is the 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 rub of things, is that if somebody else comes along, brings me two percent happiness, unfortunately, I have to readjust. The capitalism my, uh, kicks my, in. My time, 
the, I have to readjust my investment of my time and effort sure. uh, uh, differently, right? So what, so what are those weekly and monthly and, and annual, like, what does that look like, those reviews that you're doing? Like, is that just kind of like it, you taking mental uh, inventory yeah. or is there like a, a big board or spreadsheets or anything like that? Uh, no, I don't necessarily. I have a lot of spreadsheets, by the way. I have a spreadsheet on how much net worth that I do want to have by certain age. I have a spreadsheet of how many languages. You do have some I, goals. I have some goals. I have a spreadsheet of uh, numbers of languages I wish to, to be fluent in over the, over my lifetime. I have a list of uh, bucket list of items of places that I want to travel to, right? Uh, and and I hate to say that, th that there is some nuances to what I do. So I don't have any anything necessarily about, oh, you as a person, as a friend, must provide X amount of value to me before I do that. My, To be perfectly honest, my monthly, weekly, daily review is as simple as kind of like meditate on the, the events of the day, on the events of the week, on the events of the month, and where I felt most seen, where I felt most heard, where I felt most valued, right? Because I honestly almost doesn't mind how much I value you unless I understand or I see. Like it's the old adage, people don't care how much you, people don't know how much you care until they care how much, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's some variation. I, I'm Something. completely butchering. Well, yeah, it's a, um, if I had Chat GPT pulled up, I would I would ask it to to try to tell me that. Yeah, but. people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care is probably the okay. best way to right. phrase that thing. Um, and and I think that's the case, hmm. which is that you know for me it really is about natural connection. It really isn't just about how much worth you're bringing into my how much worth you are. It's how much worth I feel like I am to you, right? Because, and this is going to sound so obnoxious, I'm a pretty cool person. I'm a pretty smart person. I'm a pretty business savvy, language savvy, socially savvy. Um, uh, whatever things that drive you, whatever passion that drives you, I'm probably just as passionate about it as you are or could be. And so if you care enough about me, then we are going to do something fantastic together. Yeah, you like do have a wide always, range of interests. That that's for I have sure. A wide, a very, you're, wide you're, range of interests. You're a very, an extremely curious person, which is one of the things that I've I've always enjoyed about you. Oh, a hundred percent. And uh, and I hate to say it like this, but if I'm doing well for myself, it's because I have invested in real estate and in other companies. Again, I'm not going to go into detail with them. I have gone into businesses with my friends who value my input, who value what I bring to the table who I was able to help them get to a point where they're almost at the point of exiting their companies. They're doing really well. They're generating million dollar revenues. And again, I don't just go around talking about it because I don't need to talk about it because I'm not friends with them because they're big businessmen. I'm friends with them because they're my friends. It is as simple as that. And they value my friendship. So long story short, and I hate to put it bluntly like this, but if we're friends, we're going to do something great together. And if you don't value what I bring to the table, then, well, sorry, because then there's just nothing I could do, right? Yeah, no, I appreciate that, because that's that abundance mindset, you know, kind of brought to bear on on your relationships. And I, I think that's great. Um, oh, 100%. It, because, too, you know, I think too often it's easy to assume 
when you meet someone or when you're getting together with someone, okay, you know, this this might completely flame out, but you have the different mindset of of there might be and there should be something awesome that comes out of this. What yes. um so I want to I want to explore one other aspect of just kind of your your weekly routine and, and all of that. Um, and just I, I know that you've spent what what's the longest you've ever spent since you've been a U.S. citizen? What's the longest you've ever spent overseas for like one chunk of time? Uh, I mean, definitely when I was deployed, right? So I was okay. So Iran. so not not deployed, not deployed, not deployed, not de- not deployment. As since I've become a U.S. deploy uh, U.S. citizen, the longest chunk of time I've been was in Europe last year for about two and a half months. Two and a half months, okay. Uh, two months and four, three and a half weeks. So yeah. did you have to? Was there anything that you had to automate, or any processes that you had to put in place to kind of keep things humming here in the U.S.? Or were all those processes already in place? Well, so that's the thing is um, the reason why it was only two and a half months was kind of uh, a process that I've been slowly doing since 2020. Um, and I'll just reveal like uh, something kind of deeply personal because I believe in authenticity. So my mom passed away in 2020 of cancer in the middle of the pandemic. And that really Im- Im- impacted me a lot in terms of my life, in terms of what I want to do with my life and what I see my life going. So since 2020, I have traveled to Mexico for a month. I have traveled to Thailand for a month and a half, uh, uh, almost a month, not quite a month. And then I have traveled to Europe for two and a half months. So all that within the span of two years. And the reason for that is precisely to kind of push that boundary, right? I'm also a scientist by training. So I like to kind of break things. Uh, I, I like to put processes in place, but then test them vigorously. Mm-hmm. So I have prop. I have a. I have obviously properties. I have investments. I have projects that I have invested in. So the way I have done them is I put them in the good hands. I have people that I trust that are doing them here in the United States, and I tell them, "Hey, be prepared. I will be gone for a month." But like a I property manager, in. for instance. Property manager, um, some a friend that I invested in who's doing a flip, so I can con- contact with him. He's uh, paying me monthly um, income because I invested in the flip as a note. And then also like companies that I invested in who have board meetings who I'm sitting on their board. So basically, I'm still in touch. Like while I'm traveling, I'm still in touch with everybody. I basically call them if at least once a week, if not once a month, kind of get an update. And I tell them that, you know, when I'm overseas, obviously the time zone is a little bit different and definitely I might not be always accessible, but always feel free to contact me and call me or send me emails and do anything like that. And so, so far, so, and the reason why I did it first only a month is to test whether something goes wrong. And sure enough, things go wrong. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, believe it or not, uh, property managers, I had to change a few times. Um, but long story, yes, long story short, the, uh, the, the Mexico and the Thailand test came out. So there was a fragility test and I replaced some of the pieces. And then when I went to, uh, Europe for two and a half months last year, that was another test of another kind of like, okay, now I'm putting more stress on this whole entire system. Uh, is that going to be a problem? And also I'm always prepared that if shit hit the fan, I'm coming back early to deal with unforeseen problems and things like that. 
but again, so far, um, there were little things that were problematic and iffy, and I'm also not 100% passive in terms of my income generating revenue screen, stream. Um, but again, I'm going to keep traveling. I'm going to keep pushing those fragilities. I'm going to keep managing my portfolio from overseas if possible. Um, the next travel that I'm due is probably going to be two and a half months, not longer, later this year. Where are you um, going? Do you know yet? Yes, I have a schedule. Uh, there's also a snack because I recently applied for a visa to go to China and the Chinese embassy have my passport. And that's oh. a problem because yeah. they're hard to get a hold of. Like Chinese embassy is literally one of the most mis dysfunctional place I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. But that's that's another story for another day. Yeah, getting a visa uh, and having to ship your passport uh, is a terrifying thing. I've had to do that a few times and, and I don't enjoy it's, it. It's terrible. Um, but again, I have a backup plan, which is that I'm just going to tell the U.S. government, hey, like the Chinese government has my passport and I, I just want to I want to claim I just want to report it and get a new one because otherwise I'm not going to be able to travel. Having said that, my friend and I already have travel plans scheduled. He's um, by the way, he's a very interesting character. His name is Beck Blando, young man, graduate, born and raised in Greenville, graduated Riverside High School in 2019. No, 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 2017, uh, 2018. In case anyone's went, watching, my wife just walked in, and I don't know what she wanted. In case anyone's wondering why I was just doing a weird – I wasn't signaling for how to stop. Just so you know how. My wife just walked in for no reason. So I, don't know, I don't know what was going on there. Uh, my friend Beck, he's making $150,000 a year as a digital nomad working for a Silicon Valley startup. Um, and I've known him since he was 17. He's a smart young man with a nonprofit that he built called ID2Pi in Greenville seven years ago. Oh, interesting. Long story short, he's a very interesting young man, super smart, but he says he is making money the stupid way. And I'll tell you why. He is making money by having a W-2 and an income of over $150,000 a year. He is paying up the wazoo in terms of federal income taxes. And he will never, even though his girlfriend is Dutch, he has to be very careful getting an EU citizenship or EU visa because then he has to pay EU taxes in income, and nobody wants wow. to do that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's long story short. So together we have planned a trip with some of our friends who are also coming along. And by the way, I'm a people person. I never traveled outside by myself. Uh, even when I was in the military, I've traveled with friends. We share the cost. And believe it or not, it's also cheaper to do it that way and fun. I think it's more fun to do it that way as well. But long story short, we're going to be in Malta where he already has a condo in, uh, in for a week in uh, maybe late May, early June. And then after that, we're going to be flying to Berlin and spend a week there. And then we're going to spend two and a half weeks to three weeks in Ireland. Uh, we're flying in grabbing a car, renting a car, and driving from Dublin up to uh, Belfast, down Patrick, uh, checking out Boynes Valley and Giants Causeway, and then take a, uh, a right to go to uh, Donegal, County Donegal, and Dingle, and then uh, check out some of the western coast of the Ar Ar islands of Ireland. Uh, <laughs> going to the Cliffs of Muir, going to Limerick, and then go down to County Cork, and then probably finish and Shannon or Dublin depends on where we can fly out the cheapest. Um, so that's awesome. what we're going to do. And then we'll have two weeks to be in the Netherlands. And uh, 
we're going to do weekend trips. So by the way, he's working, right? So this is uh, more like a weekend trip for him. And then we're going to probably hit Poland and uh, do some ski trips and then probably hit Belgium. And then I am going down to Spain to go to Madrid for a week by myself. And then uh, the lady that I'm currently dating, um, uh, I don't know if she would accept the fact that I think we're girlfriend boyfriend yet, but <laughs> I will just say that the girl. Oh, I'm no, dating, we'll, we'll we'll keep this away from her. <laughs> the girl that I'm dating, um, I told her of my travel plans, and uh, she has accepted that. Uh, she she has agreed that I'm going to be spending four days in Valencia and four days in Sevilla. And the reason why I'm going to Spain is also to study Spanish, but that's another story for another day. And uh, she is fluent in Spanish, and uh, she's going to join me for eight days in southern Spain. Oh, that's great. My, my original plan before um, before I started dating her about a month and a half ago was to uh, continue my travels and go on to Japan and Korea for about a month apiece. But uh, I think I'm going to come back to uh, I'm going to come back to Greenville. Uh, at the end of the Sevilla trip and uh, and take stock and then maybe travel more later this year. Well, I'm glad we were able to get you before you started doing all this traveling because it sounds like that's happening pretty soon. You said May you're going to you're going to start if again, the passport thing will probably get resolved sometime late May, sure. uh, then I will start to travel as soon as it's resolved. Uh, but potentially, if if I have to sacrifice, I'll sacrifice Malta. Uh, and then start to travel maybe a week later. But again, th all of these are planned for, and uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm that's very, great. very excited. And we're... also excited to hang out with friends. Yeah, in yeah, that sounds like a blast. Well, we're recording this uh, end of April, but this show will probably air more like mid-May is what I think. Er early, maybe mid-May. Um, so hopefully you're... Hopefully by the time this airs, your uh, your passport woes will be resolved or at least close to being uh, being resolved. Um, how I I don't want to take any more of your time, um, and and this has already gone for a while. Do you have is there any is there anything you wanted to say that you didn't have a chance to say or any kind of uh, parting remarks that you'd like to make? Uh, not too much. But again, I think um, what I said when I was with you was. Uh, very kind of illuminating for myself as well, because I never really kind of talk about it in that way. I think there's a lot of knowledge in my head that I wasn't able to talk about unless I'm talking with other person. Mm -hmm. So long story short, I think it, it at a certain point, once you have gone past uh, survival, you really need to take a look inward and see what your purpose is. And I really think that your friendship, your network, is your net worth fundamentally that's how Absolutely. it is make um i don't know i i think it's uh my call to action is that i am concerned about the mental health obviously i'm very concerned about mental health issues and veterans issues but i am very concerned about the fact that americans are not making enough friends hmm. and that they don't see those friends in their life and i really and, and in real estate that's a struggle too uh, because i know a lot of investors that are kind of loners you know, like that's, yeah. that's actually a pretty common, I feel like stereotype among real estate investors that they, they get so consumed in their work that they become loners. Yeah. And that's honestly, I think uh, there's, there are a lot of things you could do that could synergistically support your real estate aspirations in addition to all of your aspirations as a human, as a person of growth mindset, as somebody 
again, um, and I'll just reveal a little bit. My friend Beck, who said that he's making money the stupid way. Well, right now I told him, hey, like, you know what? I think I'm a very smart business person. You're making a lot of money. Let's figure out a way that we can help each other, right? It doesn't even matter that we're friends. It's just that I want to help you as a friend. And sure enough, we do have a joint LLC as of January of this year. And uh, we're going to be doing some leveraging. And it's uh, exciting to look forward to the kind of the the new path, right? And I think deep friendship is built like that. You know each other, you understand each other, you trust each other, and then you get to a place where you can help each other. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, how is there, if, if someone would like to reach out to you that doesn't already have your information, do you want to give a way for them to reach out to you or do you want them to just go through me? Uh, they can go through you, but I will tell you that um, I go to a lot of events in Greenville. Um, again, yeah, where, where can I, they find you? What what events can they find you at? Uh, they can find me at philosophy meetups. Uh, there's a thought provoker meetup on, uh, on meetup.com right now. That's honestly how I first started to know all these groups was going on meetup.com and just show up to all the different groups, right? And I think, uh, funny enough, in Greenville, the the largest meetup groups are dating meetups. But that's yeah, another story for another day. It's <laughs> usually that way. Yeah. But I think one of the things that yeah, whether I want... they, whether they say it's for dating or not, that's what it's for. <laughs> that's what it's for. Uh, one of the things again, I want to overemphasize and overemphasize is you have to develop the whole person. If you want money, you can't just go after money. If you want companionship, you can't just go after companionship develop everything develop a whole human learn new things do new things understand new opportunities and do all the things because if you just you never know what you can get into right i did not realize how much i love board games until i step out of my comfort zone and start playing board games by the way tentrum house uh, give a shout out to them they got me an opportunity to travel to gen con last year um, oh, did and, they? And, oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah there's for a bunch the, for of those that don't know, Tantrum House is a local local board game marketing company. Um, they, they do board game uh, reviews and hype, hype videos and things like that. Yes. So again, uh, you can reach out to Dan, uh, Stan. I trust Stan to give out my information. But again, just go out there. There's so many things. People, some people have told me there's nothing to do in Greenville, and I just show them websites upon that's websites. That's crazy. Of, I, I, I've not gotten that one yet, but I, I guess if you're, <laughs> if you're from perhaps like New York City or San Francisco, you might feel that way. Yeah, but if you want to do things, just go out of there and do it, and you might see me at one of these events. Well, it was great having you on the show. Uh, always thought-provoking. You always come at things from a, uh, from a different angle, and that's what I've always appreciated. So I really appreciate you coming on uh, and and generously giving of your time when there's not like an immediate way that this will benefit you. Um, although, uh, you know, I hope that perhaps indirectly, maybe there will be some kind of connection that you'll be able to make, but, but just doing this meant a lot to me. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate this. And for those listening or watching, um, my contact information is in the show notes. If you need to reach out to me for anything, or if you want to uh, reach out to how you can contact me, I will put you in touch with him. Um, please, like this show on YouTube if you're watching. Subscribe to my channel. Uh, go ahead and leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe to the show in whatever podcast app you might be listening on. And we will talk again next time.